So if you could be here around nine, that would be great. Okay. Well, listen here. Hello. And welcome to 90 Day Fiance MK. I'm Mr. O, and today, Miss H and I will be discussing Season 3, Episode 5 of The Other Way. In this episode, Stephen and Alina hitchhike to an immigration lawyer, Samit brings some new information to his parents, Corey comes clean to Raul, dude, Ellie and Victor survey the damage of Providencia, Ari takes a cold, holy shower, and Armando sits down with his dad for a man-to-man talk. As always, we'll end with our Students of the Week, class dunces, and life lessons. If you like what you hear, please leave us a five-star rating and subscribe. And if you also watch Love After Lockup, you should listen to our other podcast, Love After Lockup MK. All right, thanks for listening, stay safe, and enjoy. Hello, Mr. O. Hello, Miss H. How are you today? I'm I'm doing pretty good, um, you know, getting through... Oh, for my first few, you know, full weeks of school, they ramp and us up. And breaking up fights. Breaking up fights. That's right. I had to do that today for the first time. It's not really a school year until you have to break up a fight. Oh, gosh. Well, then I've had no school years. <laughs> You've had more than your fair share of school yeah, it was years going on, It was going on for a while. I was like, I feel like there's something going on in the hallway. And went outside and was like, oh, it's a fight. <laughs> Let me step oh, between goodness. these two girls and figure this out. But, you know, that's just that's just the way it is in my school. It's crazy how different. How much different schools can be. Right. Well, who did we have that was fighting this week? Oh, you know what? We actually didn't have many fights. We had confrontations, right? People who had to say things to people that they were looking for, like Jenny and Samit. Well, specifically Samit. So, Jenny and Samit are visiting a local market because Jenny wants to have her own chanting beats. She says she doesn't want to convert to the Hare Krishna um, Faith, but she enjoyed the meditation aspect of the whole thing, and she's hoping that it's going to help with the whole stress of the situation she's in right now. Stress like when we flash back to the time from last season when Sumit's parents came over to try to get them to break up again. She's very upset and still jumps up and well, – she's still upset that he still jumps up and goes to every single family event even that his parents ask him to. And even though Jenny's not invited to any of them, so she ends up just having to sit in the house by herself. She wants him to tell them, no, I won't go to to these events unless you invite Jenny. This prompts Samit to tell Jenny that, well, about family events, my sister-in-law, Shri, is pregnant and there's going to be a family event um, about that, that, of course, you're not invited to. So, then we... Get to see Amit, which is Samit's brother, and Shri going to the temple for a ceremony. To, it's a ceremony to like ask for blessings for the pregnancy and the health of the baby and things like that. So, Samit is coming to the ceremony later after the inside the temple part is over. And his mom seems disappointed that, you know, this isn't really the proper order of things. We should have been here for Samit's child first. Mm-hmm. And then we kind of see him get into the cab. And he says that his plan when he gets it, when he gets there is to tell his family that he and Jenny are engaged so that she should be invited to these things. So outside the temple, they congratulate Shri, who expresses her condolences about Samit and his life choices. God. <laughs> like, yikes. But um, soon Shemit shows up and Shri even touches his feet and Amit comments on his weight loss. But then he gets serious and gets right to it. He wants Jenny to be allowed to come to stuff like this. Shreen and Mitt say that she's welcome to come as a friend, but not as a family member or, you know, your partner or anything. So, 
his parents kind of go back into, well, people will say mode and saying that if they accept Summit and his relationship with Jenny, they'll be cut off from society. and They won't even be able to get like, I don't know, sugar from their neighbors and stuff. Mm. Or that nobody would call 911 on them if they like had a heart attack. It seems to be God. what the implication that they got to. So Summit tells them that actually he and Jenny are engaged, which means that officially she should be part of these celebrations. At this point, his mom just sheds a tear, says nothing, and walks away. Amit and Sri talk, start to talk about it with him, and, and his dad just get up and walks away too. So they more or less tell him that wow, they don't want any of this negativity around their new child. So after we saw this whole family event, should Jenny even want to be invited to these things? Uh, I don't know. I think that, you know, what was wrong with before when they just thought that, you know, it was okay for Jenny to come by as a friend, right? And I Mm -hmm. think, like, in uh, the best case scenario for them would have been she should have come around as a friend and hoped that they realized she was sticking around for good and that they were having those kind of interactions with her. Now, I know... There was kind of a couple things where, you know, it doesn't it isn't going to work out exactly that way. Because one, as we recall, Jenny was living with them. So it's not like Summit's parents didn't really know her. In fact, Summit's right. mom was like apparently besties with Jenny before she knew what was going on. So at this point, I do kind of feel like it was a lost cause. Mm -hmm. And second of all, I was going to say, Jenny doesn't exactly have the most winning personality. Like, she's not someone that you can get these people in a room and, like, win them over. She's going to charm them. Exactly. Sure. Sure. Yeah, it's definitely one of those things. I mean, at this point, how can can it go back to, oh, she's invited as a friend? It made sense before they knew everything was going on. But now it's like, yes, this is the friend that I live with and sleep with all the time. Like... Of course, my friend, as everyone has, the friend that they do that with. And, you know, it's like she can't be a friend now. Like, we we know what their relationship is. That ship has sailed, right? But then, yeah, but even with the friend, I think the best case scenario for them, like, realistically, is them just tolerating her being there. Yeah, that's absolutely. But And that's what I'm saying. Why would she – does she even want to be there if it's all just a bunch of people, like, tight-lippedly, you know – accepting her presence and like nobody's enjoying any having a good time or doing anything like well it seems weird that that's what she wants because what she really wants isn't gonna happen and she has to accept that too you know yeah what she really wants is for them to accept her but i think like a step down from that is i'm really getting the impression that jenny just does not want to be left alone at all true 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 I think, like, for her, the reason why she wants to be included is so she doesn't have to be by herself. And then that also just kind of makes me feel like, Jenny, man, like, you're 60-something years old. Like, how are you not okay with being by yourself every once in a while? Right. I cherish those times. I I know you do. Very much. (laughs) I do. But, like, and I get it. Yeah. I don't know how you get that far in life. And being kind of where you are in life, you know, she's been single for a long time. Yeah, being single is not a new thing for her. I don't understand why she's like freaking out anytime she like for a visa run, like what that lasts two days and she can't be away from Summit for two days. She can't be away from this family celebration for like a day. Yeah, it's I like, just oh my, I, my impression is I think she's still not 
comfortable in India or anywhere else and she feels uh, like she okay. needs to submit there to like guide her along. Like I don't know if she's afraid because she doesn't have to leave the house. Do alone time at the house. Yeah, body. she didn't have to leave it. I get which I get more for the visa runs than for just yeah. Yeah. Just sure. chill at the house and I don't know, read a book or something. Like I mean I feel like everybody has their routines of, oh, this is my day and I'm just I'm alone by myself and I'm gonna do my thing. Right? Right. right. I hate and, and it's it's unfortunate though, because I have been I think we've also all also been in the situation where not necessarily that I had to be with somebody all the time, but it was a day I just didn't really feel like being by myself and you're kind of stuck being by yourself and that yes. really sucks. And that really sucks. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I definitely go through that quite a bit. I think it's just the um, – for me, if I really think about it, it's really more so – the lack of being able to control elements of your life, right? Yes. So when you want to be by yourself, you can't control that. When you want to have company, you can't control that. And so it just makes you feel helpless. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Especially if it's dependent on someone else. Right. Right. I think – I also think Simit's probably an awful communicator and she's like, <laughs> you leave well, yeah, and I have no idea that. when you're coming back or if you're coming back. Maybe you'll come back tomorrow. I don't know what's going on. And that could be also very stressful and nerve-wracking. Yeah, I think I, at first I thought, you know, oh, well, Jenny, she just wants to feel included, you know, but she knows how dramatic it would be and how tension driven it would be. And she wouldn't actually want to be there. So, you know, maybe if they just invited her, she would be an adult and like choose not to be there, you know, because sometimes this has definitely been the case. I've had friend situations where it's like there's been something weird between me and a friend or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then just because of our social circles, like it would be something where it would be weird if I didn't invite them, right? Like it sure. would be very obvious and probably cause more drama for me not to invite them. So I always invite them. And my thought is if they don't feel comfortable, like – They'll, they won't come. And if they feel comfortable, then maybe I'm making this out to be a bigger deal in my head than it really is. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, I mean, obviously, she's not making this a bigger deal than it really is. No, no, it is a big deal, <laughs> but, right? I mean, it's not the case. But I also don't – I mean, I don't – it's one of those things where I don't know what the parents are expecting to happen either, right? Like, I feel right. like they're also sitting here waiting for something that's not going to happen to happen. He's just going to be like all – of, all of a sudden, he's just going to decide – well, you know, you guys are right. I this woman I've been with for nine years. We're just gonna end that. That that's right. Well, she's gone now. We're, we're done. Like that's not yeah. gonna happen either. Like they have unreasonable expectations too. Yeah, and at the same time too, like his parents have got to realize, like I don't know, in their world, isn't Summit kind of like damaged goods? Yeah. He's like divorced. He's already been with this older lady who society rejects, according to them, you know? So it's kind of like, who is going to be partners with him after this? Yeah, it's that is kind of crazy because it's, it seems like it's weird that it's more acceptable that, oh, our divorced son is just shacking up with some old lady for an indeterminate <laughs> amount of time. That's perfectly socially acceptable for everything to happen. But if you wanted to marry this old lady, no, 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 no. Now you're shunned from society. We're, we're done with you now. Right. right. That seems kind of weird. That seems yeah. backwards to what the way we have it, right? I think, like, if he's shunned, he's shunned already. So it's like, I don't know. What could you hope for They're him? They're not worried about him being shunned. They're worried about oh, if yeah. they, like, you know, say the marriage is okay and they accept it, they'll be shunned. 
Yeah. The parents themselves will be shunned. And they even mention stuff like that. Stuff like, well, you know, if somebody was breaking into my house, nobody would call the police because I'm That's shunned so from society. Bizarre. Right? And it's it, – because he – yeah, I agree him. Like they're not going to marry him off to somebody else. No. No. That's not going to happen. But right. it's almost like, okay, you're already done, son. It's a matter of us saving saving our faces. Yeah. All right. Speaking of Jennies, let's talk Corey and Evelyn. So Corey is happy that Evelyn's family has been told the news of their marriage, at least her sisters at this point. So Corey and Evelyn go to Evelyn's parents' house where Corey greets Leslie and Lipsy. The sisters are friendly to his face, but they tell Evelyn in Spanish that they do not give their blessings. But they want to see their mom's face when she tells them. Hmm. Evelyn and her brothers and sisters and parents gather around so Evelyn can tell them the news. She tells them that Corey's visa expired, so a year ago they went to Guayaquil and got married. They tell them that they paid random people on the street $20 to be their witness. Evelyn makes it clear that it was just because Corey wanted to stay in the country. Evelyn's mom is shocked that Evelyn didn't tell her, and she doesn't understand why she kept it a secret and finds it ridiculous that they paid strangers to witness the wedding. Evelyn says that she didn't think they would understand since it was only for papers, and Celine, uh, Evelyn's mom, is close to tears. She thinks that marriage should not be about papers or obligation. Corey says he wanted a wedding, but Evelyn didn't. Evelyn didn't feel forced, and she's not sure if she's happy, at least not 100, as she says. Celine makes it clear that she doesn't believe in divorce, and her dad says, this is forever. Now that her family knows, Evelyn just feels trapped because divorce is no longer an option. Later, Corey goes surfing with Raul, his frenemy, who is always trying to get with Evelyn. Corey says that they have moved past that, though. Corey tells Raul that they've been married for a year, and he theorizes that Evelyn wanted to keep it a secret so she had, like, an escape plan if needed. Corey then says a couple months later, after the wedding, she kicks him out and tells him to get out of Ecuador. Corey is trying to drum up the sympathy, saying he was so heartbroken when he went to Peru. He admits it was serious, his relationship with Jenny, and that he met the family and was going to actually move in with her. Raul always thought Corey was like a saint, but the stuff is, as he refers, Venezuelan drama shit. Corey only came back to get his stuff, and he was trapped in Ecuador because of the pandemic, so he just kind of stopped talking to Jenny? He then admits to us in an interview that he actually did sleep with Jenny. Corey doesn't tell Raul that, at least not in front of us, but he does ask for his advice. Raul tells him to break things off with Jenny, actually, not just, you know, ghost her, and come clean to Evelyn. You know, the right thing. Raul then, to reinforce this idea of the right thing, threatens to tell Evelyn if Corey doesn't. Okay, so why on earth do you think that Corey just decided that ghosting someone was the best way to break up with them now that he got back together with Evelyn? I don't know, dude. I think like it was the dude, same thing he was like, that annoyed me too. The same reason he says dude after every sentence to Raul, but never to anybody else. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, bro. Dude, dude. He's like said it like such a put on thing that bothered me first, oh so I had gosh. to say dude a bunch of times first. <laughs> but uh, I have no idea. I, I, he doesn't make any sense. Like he didn't clear up, he didn't clear up the status that he had with Evelyn before shacking up with this woman. Yeah, this Jenny, and then came back and did it. Was like, well, I'll just stop talking to her, which is an awful plan. Just an aw- it. 
Especially if it's escalated to the point of you slept with her, you met her parents, you're moving in together. Yes. It's like, because it, it, it's, it's, she's going to come back and she's going to keep, she's going to try to get in touch with you again. Like, right. That's, it's, I mean, let's be clear. Ghosting is never okay. But at the same time, it's like, I don't want to say it's to be expected, but it's not like totally uncommon for people to ghost in the beginning stages of dating i don't even want to say a relationship in the beginning stages of dating i definitely am like yes and that there's definitely a line when it's it's acceptable versus unacceptable to you is like oh i just i don't know like i I said it's never acceptable i don't well i mean okay but i mean is it ghosting if you never met in real life uh well no, but you're not even really dating then, are you? You're okay, just talking so then to that's someone. what that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. So there's there's definitely a a, a, a short period of time, and it's going to vary for different people. Where it's okay to just be like, oh, I just never messaged them back, and eh, it's been like a week now, so eh, yeah. right? And that's yeah. fine if it's been like two or three messages that you've I sent to each other. I kind of see that. I kind of see that more as the fade out. You know, okay. the fade out is more okay. It's more socially acceptable because it's like two sides are fading out, right? You you just generally message a little less and no one seems to be consistently making an effort to reach out and you just kind of fade out of each other's lives. That is not what this situation no, is. No, no. And that's what I'm saying. So at what point is it – does this – the? I mean clearly he's on the other side of a line of when did it go from being a fade out to a ghosting, right? Yeah. And this – I mean so he's definitely on the ghosting side of a line if you like met her parents and then you're right. just like, I just stopped talking to her. Like did he – block her did he like mute her on his phone like how did he do that like and what's going on so it's totally wrong but definitely wrong not just on a you know uh, a morals and scruples angle but just on a how is this going to work with evelyn if this if this you just have this unfinished business dangling out there it's going to come back and bite you Well, and here's the thing. I don't know if it really will because it's like in a different country, but things like this really it's it's to me, it's incredibly predictable and annoying Mm -hmm. because dudes do this shit all the time. It's like the reason why guys ghost is because they want to be able to come back and at least it be an option, you know, and, you know, sometimes maybe it'll work out some maybe it won't. Right. Maybe that girl will be like, what the fuck? I haven't heard from you in like however long, like get out of here, you know, or they could be like a hey and you get a hey back. And definitely it's a gamble, but at least there is somewhat of a possibility as opposed to if you just broke things off with them, you have less of a possibility. So I think that's what Corey's doing. He's kind of playing the odds here. He's uh ghosting Jenny, kind of hoping that if things don't work out with him and Evelyn, and let's be real here, it's unstable and unpredictable with Evelyn. Mm -hmm. So he could just kind of go back to Jenny and just be like, oh, you know, I was confused. I didn't know. Or he could even play this because he's clearly lying to people at this point. Right, right, right. Corey ain't no saint. Uh, He could be saying, oh, I got stuck in Ecuador because of the pandemic. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, and I, you know, just I was stuck there. I didn't want to, like, disappoint you and make you promises. So I was just going to message you when I could, you know, come back. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I think you're right. I think it was definitely sounds like he was holding on to a a backup plan here. I'm just and it just just because I was like, 
and was I wasn't thinking like Jenny was gonna like show up and be like you know all, oh, total no. total like Venezuelan telenovela and like you know show up yeah. at the door with a what, <laughs> throwing wine in Throw his face. Throw people downstairs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that seems to happen a lot. But too. I was like, well, she's gonna message you, and Evelyn's gonna see the messages. It's gonna ruin it. Like, like that, yeah, because it is unpredictable. But I think he went back, and even when they you know got stuck in the pandemic and things were going, he's just like, it's just a matter of time before this like all blows up in my face again. Oh um, yeah, for sure. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, he could do it. I don't know. It just seems like but the other thing that I thought was weird is that he doesn't seem to understand what Evelyn thinks about this relationship, right? Because he mm-hmm. still to explaining it to Raul was like, well, Evelyn thinks it was just a one night thing and, you know, nothing really happened, but it wasn't that. Whereas Evelyn yeah. was like, oh, yeah, he was going around Peru saying this is his girlfriend. Like, <laughs> yeah, like she definitely is not going to be surprised by, oh, yeah, it was more than a one night thing. She was like, well, yeah, I already knew that. And she's definitely not going to be surprised if he says she slept with her. He slept with her because she'd be like, yeah, I kind of assume that, too. Yeah, I do think that. But at the same time, I think what really going to go on here is Evelyn is going to use this oh, stuff yes. against him. Yes. She is going to keep it in her back pocket. If she's going to use it now, maybe. Who knows? Because she already said she's not 100% happy, you know, so maybe she'd use this. Or maybe she wants to get this fancy wedding since they're already married, forcing Corey to spend all this money punishing him. And then afterward, like, uses it to be like, yeah, you're really not the kind of guy that I really see myself being with. Like, I don't want to be a partner with some lying, cheating, according to her, cheating, you know. Right, because, right, right, sure. you know, they're married, so it doesn't matter. Yeah. But it was interesting to also hear Evelyn's whole take on this thing. And it actually does make a lot of sense why she tried to keep this under wraps. Because as soon as her parents found out that they were married, they're like, no divorce. That's it. You're, You're stuck. Yep. No divorce. We don't believe in divorce here. Uh-huh. So it's like, I don't know. I don't know what Evelyn's end game was in telling her parents in the first place then. Yeah. Telling anyone in her family because she must know that that's the case. And so has she just accepted that she's stuck with this guy forever? I guess so because she's going to go through with this other wedding. And once she goes through with this other wedding, then that's it, right? Then they're going to be in the same boat right, that she was before, yeah. right? I thought the interesting right. thing was – I mean, I like that – okay. Well, first of all, it's, it's it was kind of weird that the mom was like, oh, do you feel forced? Were you yeah. happy? And then after asking this question, was like, doesn't matter. You're stuck with him. No divorce, yeah, right? Divorce. And um, but I also thought it was really interesting that you know, again, Corey's terrible, awful Spanish comes to bite oh, him, God. because I feel like even when she said not a hundred percent, that was sugarcoating it for him because she told her mom no say, right? She was like, I don't know, yeah, right. That seems yeah. much more harsh than, yeah, not a hundred percent, you know, right. Like literally, yeah. I don't know if I'm happy. Is Corey has to know what it was no, no say. say means, it was right? so easy. I know, but he has to know that one, right? <laughs> yes, that one's like basic Spanish one, that's like ninth grade Spanish. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Well, especially it's especially ninth grade Spanish because that's what they answer all the questions with. It's oh my like, gosh, I know. Uh, right? no exactly. Say. <laughs> all right, so moving along to I don't know other people struggling with languages. Let's go to our buddy, Steven. So, Steven and Alina are walking around town and Steven can't believe that they live here now. 
even though they don't actually live there because they're on a visitor visa for only three months. Anyway, Alina is happy that Stephen decided to stay in the apartment with her, even though he is still worried about the temptation. They're on the way to see an immigration lawyer to see what they have to do to get married and move to Russia or whatever where their plan is. So to get there, Stephen is doing what he's done in five different countries, hitchhiking there. Tom. He does by using broad gestures and literally jumping in front of a car. Yeah, that is not hitchhiking. That's by like the way. commandeering the car. That's like a carjacking. Yes. What, what is he doing? Yeah, pretty much. I'm sure the Turkish guy was like, oh, it's an American. He must have a gun. Get in the backseat. I'll take you wherever you want to go. Anyway, he eventually finds a ride despite all Alina's misgivings. After some broken translations, they end up where they're going to see Tune Egan, the lawyer. He starts in with all the details. They need documents um, from – actually, Stephen specifically needs documents from the American embassy in Ankara. And they'll have to go to the municipal office and get an official seal before the marriage. Then they have to go back to the Russian consulate with their marriage certificate to start the visa process. Stephen wants to know how long they'll have to wait for the marriage appointment because he thought this was going to be like a quickie Vegas thing. So the lawyer's advice is to get the ball rolling as, st- as soon as possible, which seems to freak Stephen out because, you know, he says, well, that's a really big decision. So God. afterward, I don't know where I wrote that. Afterward, they take a, a, actually get a cab to go back to the um, room and then the cab, they talk it over. Stephen really wishes they had a little bit more time to figure out if they should get married. Because, you know, again, 90 days isn't very much time. Ah, um, stupid. He asked Selena when she was – when she thinks she'll be ready to get married and she's like, um, like now? <laughs> Which prompts him – prompts him to start like hugging her and trying to cuddle her. Which she brushes off with an, I'm tired. In an interview, <laughs> she says that she came to Turkey to marry this guy but is – and then kind of goes this, waiting for him to show he's more serious about the relationship, which isn't really helped because he literally says in the cab, ah, I think you're a little bit more serious about this than I am. A oh problem that he attempts to solve by trying to buy watermelon. At, well, you know, there's watermelon for sale. Over here. Maybe we get some watermelon. So Stupid. So dumb. So, I mean – so, I guess that's the question I had – I'll ask you and you don't know the answer either, but I'm going to ask you anyway. What was the point of coming to Turkey if not to get married? I don't know. Like he said in the interviews before he even went to Turkey that he was going to Turkey to get married to Alina so that way they could move to Russia. Yes. And it's just like the more we go along with their story, it's just like – did you have any intention of marrying this woman? Because it seems like you keep thinking it is a decision to be made. And, you know, this is one of my biggest pet peeves with this franchise altogether. Mm-hmm. You get these people who come over on a fiancé visa to begin with, and they're still deciding if this is the person that they want to be with. It's like, shouldn't you have decided that before? Like, what do you think an engagement is? It's a commitment 
to marry someone. Yeah, it's I to the point where I like question how they got the fiance visa. I was like, you had to botch the yeah. interview if you're in there being like, hey, you know, we don't really know each other that well. I feel like we need 90 days to better right. know each other until we get married. I feel like they would just be like, visa denied. <laughs> like, no, you are not engaged to this person. You guys are not a real couple. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, exactly. So, Stephen, like, oh, I don't know. And then saying, oh, you're more serious than me. It's like, ah, uh, you're the worst. Get out of here. Yeah. It, it, and I mean, that was the second part that bothered me. The first part that bothered me was I'm jumping in front of a car. Well, okay, the hitchhiking the car. That was the that was okay. So in the middle, no, that was not hitchhiking. That was him jumping in front of a car to get them to stop. Yes, and I. And it's the guy the let same. him in. I was. I guess he was like, I you know. have a camera crew, I guess. I don't know what's going on here. I know. Like, I would be like, I'm not positively reinforcing this behavior. Get no, out of here. No, that's definitely like – I've seen bus drivers do that when kids chase the bus to try to get on it. They're uh-huh. like, step back on the curb and then drive away because they're like, you can't have kids chasing the bus. You can't have kids jumping yeah. in front of cars as a way right, of right. hitchhiking. Right, because if you, know, if you let them on the bus, then the next day if they're late for the bus, they're going to chase the bus again. Do the same thing, yeah. sure. And – so you can't have that, right? And it's just oh, – but then he goes and the thing that drove me nuts was his – and I guess it's a, it's a totally a young person thing. Like you thought of step one and he literally said like that. And she didn't think ahead of that. So they went to see this lawyer and told them a bunch of stuff that they should have known before they came yeah, to yeah. Turkey. Yep. Like how do we get married now? And he was like, I was really just focused on getting to Turkey and I was like, oh my god. And because he even picked the wrong town, he picked a town without an American consulate. Oh my gosh! It didn't yeah, bring any papers with him. Dumb. Like it's ugh. yeah, yeah. The uh, the getting to Turkey part seems easy to get. That's like, super with easy. The advent of the internet. Yes, you know it's like how hard is it to book a flight to Turkey? I booked a flight to Turkey. I checked and saw the visitor visa requirements and the COVID. I got the COVID test that I needed to get and done. All I'm right. done. It's a very easy task. I'm sure I can figure out in. 45 minutes exactly how I could get to Turkey if I needed to get to Turkey. Gosh, (laughs) stupid. Yeah, Stephen is quickly, you know, making his way to the bottom of my list. Very definitely, yes. All right, uh, let's move on to uh, Ari and Binyam. So Ari, Binyam, Avi, and Mimi, the nanny, all go on a walk uh, towards a holy water for healing, as they say. Binyam says that holy water only works for those that believe. Ari complains about the walk, but she's actually enjoying the scenery part. At the water, they go their separate ways because men and women are separated. And Binyam prays in the fountain. Ari doesn't know what's going on because no one's explained any of this to her. So she just kind of sticks her face in this (laughs) water that's shooting out of this pipe. And she just has this pained look on her face. And then she turns around, gets it on her back, and she's just freezing and making uncomfortable faces as this half-naked lady is forcing her back into the water. Yeah. I think you should specify when you say half-naked, that's a literal half-naked. Like, not like, oh, she was wearing underwear. She, like, didn't have a top on. Like, no top. No, she didn't have a top on. Uh Yeah, she was half naked. So, and just like kind of almost like pushing her into this water (laughs) that she's kind of trying to get away from. So this whole thing is kind of uncomfortable to watch because she just looks so uncomfortable. And, uh, you know, after this, uh, Biniam and Ari meet up after both their little dips in the holy water. And Biniam says it's important for Ari to respect his culture. So it means so much to him that Ari has come. And he hopes that... 
you know, she will continue to do these things and, you know, participate in their culture. And Ari hopes that Binium will see that she really is trying in this relationship. So they had kind of a shorter segment, wasn't a whole lot going on there. Sure. Um, so, but it was kind of interesting to me that Ari seemed to actually kind of go along with something that, you know, she didn't really want to be a part of because usually, especially when it comes to religious stuff, she seems to very much put her foot down. Like she didn't want Avi to be baptized. She made a big stink about it. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just like, it's just a little water on the head. Like, how is this any different? Right. Um, but do you think that Ari's attempt at, you know, uh, trying to, integrate into this culture is sustainable and genuine uh yes and no i would say sustainable no genuine i think she's giving it her best effort i just think her best effort's pretty a pretty sad effort <laughs> like yeah and i'm like it, it was literally like stand under this cold water for like five seconds and she was like right like it was the most big ordeal anyone's ever been put through like she was just <laughs> making all those faces going and it was funny because they contrasted it with you know benny who just like pop pop and like had it on his head and like kind of leaned against the rock it was on his back it didn't like shiver or shake or do anything and yeah and then she's just like they're like they were pouring liquid nitrogen on her like just oh my god <laughs> like she's making her melt and it was just like it, it, it's one of those – and then at the end, she's like, I hope he recognizes that I'm making such an effort. I was like, it really wasn't much. Like you stood under yeah. – you walked up a hill in a, in, a, in a beautiful park, stood under and this cold water. And she was kind of complaining about it the whole complained time. Complained about it the whole time, stood under this water for three seconds and then left. Because the other thing too is, you know, we saw the half-naked woman. Binium was probably all the way naked, right? That's why they separate the men and the women. Uh, I don't know. It was hard to tell. Well, he was definitely – I mean, he was definitely topless, but that's, you know, obviously not big of a deal. It just – it looked like they were yeah. cutting – the way they were angling the camera was like, let's just cut off right at his lower back and not show anything below <laughs> that. Yeah, I mean, that would make sense why. But also at the same time, Binyam was like kind of at the top. It wasn't like he couldn't see into what was going on. Because mm -hmm. remember, after she was done, he was just like up the stairs, like at the top of the stairs kind of waiting for sure. her. So. Yeah. yeah, it just – yeah, I, I don't know. And part of that is the issue and I think that's an issue with their relationship. It's he sees mm -hmm. something as like the bare minimum of what we can do and she sees this, this huge concession of all the things that I did for you. And he was like, we we went to the top of the stairs and the water. Yeah, you let me drip water on our son's head and you're, ask, you're, you're yeah. acting like that's the be all end all of everything uh, and, and this huge sacrifice that, that you're doing. everything. Now, the fact that she lives in Ethiopia, that is one that is something, but mm -hmm. I just, mm -hmm. I don't know how much and it's, I think it's kind of funny considering how big of a, you know, wanderlust type person she is. Usually those people are like, more into actually jumping full force into local customs and stuff? Yeah, she confuses me because I agree with you. For someone who seems like uh, or was presented as such at the beginning, like someone who's just like a hippie. A free like, spirit. Yeah. Free spirit. I just go where the wind takes me. She seems to be uptight about a lot of like things in terms of living conditions. Right. Right. And it's like you just can't be like that if you're going to be like a free spirit, like backpacking around the world. Like there's going to be 
less comfortable living conditions than what she's kind of being high maintenance used to. So it's just weird to me that like those two things exist in one person. Yes. Yes. I'm just like, yeah, I feel like if you've like backpacked your crossway South America, across South America, like you've been in a pit toilet before, right? Like I feel like that's something that you should have done. It It just doesn't seem like something she would even consider right now, you know? I know, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. So my last one is Kenny and Armando. So it's the morning after the dinner they had at his parents' place. And Armando um, already feels like he's running out of time to tell, you know, everybody about the actual wedding. So he's going with his mother and they're looking at garden statues. Now, Armando wanted to tell his mother about the wedding first since when he first announced that they were engaged, he did it in front of a large group and his mom said, you should have told me first. So, it in actuality, it, it he's going for what she said, but it's probably not a good move to rely on her because despite her promises, his mom, Virginia, never even told his dad that Armando was engaged at all, which seems like it's going to make this communication he's going to have with his dad a bigger lift. She says it's not that big of a deal because it's not like they've decided a date yet. So, he's like, well, actually – and he tells her about his plans for a big celebration. She starts to cry about it, but wants to tell him that, you know, even though she's crying, it's not because she doesn't accept him. It just – but doesn't really explain why she's crying, but just that I accept you. So, she knows he and her both know now that it's time to talk to dad about it. And Armando is going to have to be the one to tell him everything and just kind of hope for the best. So, back at the vacation rental, which I guess is nearby the parents' place, Cassidy is petting Truffles. Old Truffles is still around. And Armando is leaving to go – Armando is leaving to go talk to his dad about everything. And it looks like Kenny is coming along for support. So, he, he says that this pattern where his mom is going to be the one who tells his dad basically everything about everything is pretty much if things have been since he was growing up. So, he's priming himself in the ride and Armando worries that his dad will refuse to come to the wedding which he says would make him uncomfortable to ever go back to his parents' house. So then he goes into his dad's workshop and the whole thing starts. He sits him down and sits him down to have a man-to-man talk. So his dad, who's Armando Sr., says that um, Armando's an adult and can make his own choices, you know, when asked about his sexuality, I guess. But he tries to keep busy to avoid thinking about it. It's not that he doesn't care. He just doesn't like to announce everything he's thinking to the world. So, he does end up telling Armando that he's proud of him and he's smart, made his way and, you know, it's good enough for him. And they both start to cry. It's exactly the thing Armando wanted to hear. He says he wants Armando to remain part of his life and with time, he may find a place for Kenny as well. So, at this point, Armando tells his dad that he and Kenny are engaged and they plan to get married. The most important thing to him is that his dad is there. So his dad says that he he doesn't know right now. He needs to think about it and there's lots of – and, you know, he doesn't go to lots of things like hinceñeras and stuff. Um, so maybe he won't, maybe he won't, but he has to think about it. All right. So I, I guess my question is – my same question I would have had for the dad, what, what is there to think about? I don't understand. Um, I just think he needs time to process it. Yeah. You know, it just seems like this guy just seems like he just just needs time to wrap his head around things, you know, because he doesn't want to be in a situation where he's there and miserable. Mm -hmm. 
right? He needs to be in a good headspace to be there. So, I, and I think that's part of what was going on, you know, when the mom was protecting him when they first got there. Right. You know, like, he wasn't he wasn't sure if he was going to show up to the dinner. I'm going to guess. Yeah. And then he shows up to the dinner and he was, you know, in a great mood and he was, you know, positive. And I think he needs to, like, kind of mentally accept that. So I kind of picture that how the wedding is, right? It's like he's not sure he's going to be there pretty much up until he's there. But if he's going to be there, he's choosing to be present and to have a good time and not be like this rain cloud. Yeah. I mean, I think in this, honestly, this reminds me a bit of my father uh, is like mm-hmm. if you gave him the free choice and gave him what would you prefer you know how would you prefer to be told you know who would you prefer told you his preference would be i would prefer not knowing like i would rather not know <laughs> and because he even said that like he said well did you know we were engaged and the dad was like well you overhear things but i try not to like listen right he's he literally was like i would rather not know what was going on and i don't have to go to a wedding and i don't need to be told about it nobody needs to share anything with me that's okay that's fine like i that's that's where i'd want to be and so it's he's just uncomfortable being forced to make decisions over things he just rather not know about and so i don't know how it, it is a tricky kind of person to deal with because you're like well, you kind of have to know about the wedding that I want you to be at. I can't I can't think of a way to to square that circle unless you're asking me to not care about you and I don't know how to do that either, you know? Yeah, I mean, I think he has the best of intentions. I do think that he's someone who you know, knows this about himself, like he's not his initial reaction isn't the best. Right. And so he just needs time to like psych himself up, mm-hmm. you know? And so it's just, I don't know. But I mean, what I really appreciate about him though is that he, this isn't like someone who's been hostile towards uh, Kenny. Right. Or sorry, uh, towards either no. of them, Orlando no. or Kenny. He wants to love his son, he wants to accept Kenny. It's just taking some time, and I think he recognizes yeah. that. And so I think part of it is maybe even himself wondering, like, am I going to be okay with this by the time you get married? Mm-hmm. I, mean, I think part of it, too, is he's just he's just being asked to help and support his son in a way that he was never expecting to do, right? And, and yes, that's I definitely that a thing that happens a lot, like, he, here, and I'm going I'm to transition to it, is, like, you know, he was expecting, well, do you need me to fix your car? I'll fix your car. You need me to build like this th- thing on your house? I got it. We got it. Like we dig up the septic tank, done. We're gone. Let's go. Right? Those are all mm-hmm. the ways he was expecting to have to support his son. That To be asked to, I need you to come to this wedding ceremony is something that is, you know, this. I need you to come to this gay wedding is just not something that he had spent his life as a father really preparing for. And I feel like yeah. it's the same kind of thing you see. I think it's the same kind of thing you see now in, you know, with the pandemic, right? You see a lot of people who are very prepared to protect their family in all kinds of ways. And, you know, they did Mm -hmm. the prepping, but they were like, what we really need to do is just wear a mask and get a vaccine. And they're like, well, that's not the way I had imagined protecting my family. I'm not not a fan of this. I thought I was going to have to just make sure there was toilet paper available. Yeah. I was like, I I, other paper. Yeah. I had, I I have a big truck that can, that can four wheel across the the county. If there's a storm to get there, like, you know, they they imagine they were going to have to do things like we see in the, um, 
you know, Victor and Ellie segment, right? We're going to have to have to dig mm-hmm. people out, move stuff around and haul. Sure. And they're just like, we just need you to wear a mask. And we're like, no, that's not. No, that wasn't what I was preparing for. And so to kind of throw that at them, it's going to take people a while to fi- to process that. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Speaking of Ellie and Victor, uh, it's 4 a.m. and Victor and Ellie are taking a four-hour boat ride to Providencia for a supply run. Uh, They will be in Providencia for four hours. Then they will take a four-hour boat ride back to San Andreas. They can't stay in Providencia because there's no electricity, and they're only there to deliver supplies to Victor's sister, Mary. They are noting how different it looks when they get there, as it looks like the island was burned down and all the greenery is gone. Victor hires a guy on a scooter to take him to a car his friend has lent him and leaves Ellie at the dock. Ellie is describing the scene as apocalyptic and tells us of the smell of gas, sewage, and garbage. She is emotional and is realizing what a sacrifice this is to be with Victor. Victor comes back with the car and they pack up the supplies and travel to Mary and her kids in a concrete house that belongs to Mary's husband's family. Victor tells us that when the hurricane hit, the family was split up and they just weren't prepared. It just got there too fast. Mary is so thankful to see Ellie and to get the supplies. Victor is also thankful that Ellie is there and it means so much to him for her to be there. He knows that it's not going to be easy, but that this will be worth it. They are then on their way to the other side of the island to assess the damage of their own house. And they need to hurry so they can make the boat back to San Andreas. Victor's home is still standing, and overall, it's in pretty decent shape comparatively, other than missing a window or two and the roof coming off. They were pretty lucky considering his mom and uncle's house, who are right, you know, nearby, next door, are completely destroyed. Ellie is a little overwhelmed thinking about about living there, considering there is no infrastructure and no medical. She says there are still a lot of things they need to figure out. But she's kind of vague about what those things are. So do you think that now, given the situation, that Ellie will, you know, go back to the U.S. and try to bring Victor over? Uh, Probably. Like, I'm actually a little bit surprised given the scale of destruction on the island Mm -hmm. and combined with how few people live on that island – yeah. That they aren't just being like, yeah, y'all got to move off the island. We're done. We're not going to mm-hmm. rebuild this, you know? And so yeah. the fact that like it, it seems to that point to me that it's – that I'm like, well, geez, why would it seem – it seems crazy that she would stay there, right? Like – Yeah. It, it's not much to stay – not much – I mean, you hate to say it, but it, there's not much there to stay for. Right. Not at the moment. I mean, they were pretty lucky, though. Like, their house did look in really good shape comparatively. I mean, granted, it was missing a couple windows, a roof. But, I mean, everything inside looked intact. Yeah. Yeah, it did. It did. And I guess the issue is more like, well, how many people – how many people are going now to – even if they don't – even the government doesn't say, yeah, we're not rebuilding your island. Sorry. Um like how many people are going to come back to that island? Like whose stuff wasn't intact and wasn't destroyed, right. and, and is that going to be able to sus- make a sustainable community that you know is like a four-hour boat ride from the nearest island from the nearest other island? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Things like even supplies. Right. Like, are you going to have people? Re- you know, providing food. Yeah. Are you going to be able to have food? I mean, electricity, I'm going to assume, is going to come back at some point. Right. I don't, yeah, I, I assume they have to have some sort of 
power station on the island or I don't know if they have right. like cables from the I don't even know how that works. How they had electricity in the first place. I don't know what they're going to do with all the debris. Like how are they getting that right. off the island? Yeah. And so yeah. it just seems it's, like it, it's, it's definitely – it's not going to be something that they recover from. You know, you know, like here in the US, we can throw trucks and money at it. And it still takes years to recover, right? To fully recover some places. Mm-hmm. This is just going to take a long, long time. Yeah. And it seems to me that part of the reason why she was moving there in the first place was impatience. Yeah. You know, they considered the whole option of Victor moving to the U.S. And they were just kind of like, well, we didn't want to wait for the visa. So we just thought it'd be easier if, you know, Ellie came over mm-hmm. and, you know, we're just going to do that. And then Ellie was motivated because she's like, well, Victor clearly can't be trusted to be by himself. So I need to be with him immediately. Yes. So it just seems like the situation is just different now. And, you know, it's impatience is not an option for either country that they're going to stay in. Right. Yeah. I mean, I was and I was confused about speaking of patience. It, he drove like the. He got on that guy's motorcycle to go get the car, but then they returned the car. They just looked like they just dumped it at the dock. I was very confused about the logistics of his car that they had to get back to his friend. Yeah, he probably did. My guess is that his friend isn't there. Uh Uh-huh. You know, and that's why he used the car. So maybe he gave him the keys. Like, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of, you know, but he had to go pick it up wherever it was and hoping it was there. Like, there's a lot of logistical questions I had about it. Like, Mm -hmm. okay, so they went and, like, delivered supplies for mary but like why was she still there why isn't she getting off fire attack i don't i don't I know, know what's going right. on you know it's very it, i mean it's all i mean you know, rough to see but then like i wasn't a huge fan of the way we pretty much just saw it through ellie's eyes of her just like sitting mm-hmm. on the dock like gawking at the destruction and like yeah. not doing it. it was like oh man it seems like somebody could have had a spot on that boat that would have came and like been helping more than yeah. you instead of just being like, oh, my God, oh, my God, it's so bad. At the same time, like, that boat was kind of empty. Yeah, that's true. You know, it's not like people were clamoring to get to the island. That's true. That's true. All right. So, not to – I know. We ended on a really downer, down right? Note. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Okay. So, who was your student of the week? Um, I know we could always go with it, but I went for Armando for having two straight mm-hmm. – Tough communications where he got yes. exactly to the point and had the conversation same. he needed to have. I, I actually went the same way because, you know, he acknowledged that he has never talked to his dad and that, you know, the first time that his dad kind of found out that he was gay, he wasn't the one to tell his dad. They had a really awkward, silent encounter right after and nothing was said so the fact that he's like stepping up and having these tough conversations and i mean they're just conversations that are you know these are the kinds that like restore your soul you know like you could just tell he felt more connected and closer to his dad after having this conversation with Mm -hmm. him even though like his dad isn't a hundred percent there yeah you know, but it's like, but it shows him hope and it does make him feel closer to his dad and makes him realize that his dad really does love him and that he's trying, even if, you know, he's not exactly where he wants him to be right, right now. Right, right. All right. I think we probably went the same way for both of these because I went with Steven for my class dance too. <laughs> oh, I did not. Oh. I went with Corey. Oh, I went with Steven Idiot. because like, yeah, like that is some bullshit. Like. Because yeah, he was telling sure. us the whole time, I'm moving to Turkey to marry this woman. 
And Alina yes. seemed to believe that he was moving to Turkey to marry her. And he's all like, yeah. well, we're not like, you're not like ready to get married, are you? And it was like, we're, we're, that's it. It's like, what did you think was happening? And granted, like, you know, no, not granted. I take it back. Like 90 days. Like you have to be ready. Like, okay, getting, being ready now versus 90 days, that's hardly anything, yes. right? Being ready now versus like three years from now, that's, that's Yes, uh, th- yes, you, you, a lot can happen in three years. Not a lot is happening in 90 yeah, days. I, I totally, like, what do you think is going to be a shift in your thinking? Yeah, here? I definitely, it's not like three months are very, very short. And to come in and be like, no, oh, I yeah. have to decide whether I'm going to marry this person forever in 90 days. And what did he, and also, what did he think he was going to? Like, just show up on day 89 and being like, marriage, please. Oh, I'm ready. Yeah, oh make gosh, this happen. Let's stupid. get the marriage and the visa now. Like, come on, man. So, just all uh, dumb. Stupid. Like, no planning ahead. Just, just you know, yanking this girl along. Like, jerking her chain yeah. with that, oh, I didn't know you were ready. Crap. And uh, So, bad Steven. So, yeah. anyway, Corey. Dumb. Uh, yes, my dunce was actually Corey. It's like, how are you so stupid? Like, how are you ghosting Jenny? How are you, you know, like coming back to Evelyn? How are you not telling Evelyn the whole truth, but running around and telling everyone else the truth before Evelyn? That seems like a dumb idea. Yeah. You know, it's just like, oh my gosh, you're an idiot. Plus, like, I get it that you think you've moved on. Like, whatever drama you had with Raul. But Raul is always going to be loyal to Evelyn first. Whether he wants to hook up with her or not, he will always be loyal to Evelyn first. That's true. That's true. So. Well, that's funny because we already – my life lesson we kind of already talked a lot about. Because it was like – it's bad to ghost somebody that you were in a relationship with. Mm. I would argue that it's worse to ghost your mistress. Like that's because that. <laughs> that shit can come to bite, you, bite in ass, you in the right? ass, right? She's coming. She's coming back for vengeance. Yes. Like you're dumb. You got to keep her happy. Exactly. Right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so my life lesson is actually uh, for Stephen. His stupid, stupid. And I told you before, but I didn't tell you what exactly. I was triggered by Stephen on this episode, and it was dumb watermelons. Because when you're in the middle of a serious conversation, oh, yeah. trying to make it lighthearted by changing the sum- subject to something totally off the wall and stupid, that doesn't actually work. Like, in what world, like, Do I don't know why people insist on doing that. When has it ever happened that the other person has been like, oh, yeah, everything's okay now. Let's talk about watermelons. That has never freaking happened. It doesn't work. You can't just change the subject like that. I don't that. even know that he was thinking that deep. I think he literally saw a watermelon and was like, watermelons are good. I like watermelons. Watermelons. Okay. Well, then that just means he's an idiot. It That's is. something completely different. He is. Yeah. It's, it's, it, I, I said yeah. that in the voice from Idiocracy with it. Go, I am baiting. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. So yeah, Steven. <sighs> yeah, he's he's pretty dumb. He's getting worse every week, which is kind of crazy because he, he didn't is. start off great. At first, I was kind of like, I like this kid, you know, like yeah, he's a little weird and quirky. Yeah, I thought but he was he gonna be sweet. just a ham, a hammy guy that whose yeah. stick got old really fast. But 
He's a much right. bigger asshole and a much bigger idiot than I anticipated. Oh, yes. Yes. His his uh, stock is dropping, plummeting. He, every day he's getting closer and closer to the bottom of our power That's rankings. That's right. Mm-hmm. Oh, goodness. All right. Well, we will be back next week. We saw all of our couples this week. So hopefully we'll see all of them next week That's as well. That's right. Okay. Until all right. then. See everybody then. Okay. All right. Bye. Bye. Bye.